0: be seated. As you find a seat, I encourage you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 5 this morning. Matthew chapter 5 verses 13 through 16 specifically. I I wonder how many in this room are contagious this morning. There's a lot of talk about uh, being contagious, especially at the peak nationwide of flu season. There are a lot of students that have been out of school because they were contagious. There were a lot of teachers that have had to miss school. There there are some of you that are parents that have received calls uh, from your school that have said, come and get your son or daughter. He or she is in the nurse's office there. Even at church, I've seen it where people come up to me and I go to shake their hands and they respond, regardless of age, they respond with a fist bump, lest I be contagious or lest they be contagious. It's a world physically that we don't celebrate. I mean, we don't celebrate the word contagious. We don't want to be a contagion. We ultimately don't have a lot of room and we try to not spread those physical things that are ultimately going to be ailments in our society. That's why it is sort of counterintuitive to say as Christians, we do want to be contagious. No mistake about it, The hope of Christ that resides in you, you are called to show publicly, we are called to spread the hope of the gospel. None of us say, but we are called to be witnesses, we are called to be contagious Christians. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, in what we know to be the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus very clearly calls us to share our faith to those we come in contact with when he says you are the salt of the earth but the salt has lost its taste how shall its saltiness be restored it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet you are the light of the world a city set on a hill cannot be hidden nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house in the same way let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. There are two common images that Jesus utilizes in the section of the Sermon on the Mount. Images that were familiar then and familiar now. Images that regardless of one's socioeconomic status, salt and light was accessible then, accessible Now. It's no coincidence, but rather the providence of the Holy Spirit and the division of the Sermon on the Mount that this section comes right after the beatitude where Jesus says, blessed are you when you are persecuted. Blessed are you when you're reviled and people speak falsely about you. There's a temptation for those original disciples and a temptation for us too to hear those words and to become secretive with our witness, who among us really wants to be reviled for our faith? Who among us wants to be persecuted? For there is a temptation to hear those words and say, let's be anonymous in our faith. Let's privatize our witness. Let's have a public face and a private face and our faith will be a part of that hidden private place. And so Jesus, right after... This part of the beatitude where there's a temptation to to not share your faith, he immediately says, guess what? You're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. You're called to be contagious in spreading through your words and through your deeds what God has done in and through his son, empowered by the Holy Spirit in your life, in my life, we're called to be contagious Christians. Notice from Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, the purpose of a contagious Christian. Now, why would Jesus use this metaphor? Well, again, it's accessible. Again, it's familiar. Again, it's one of these images that continues to be clear to us. Even 2,000 years later, Salt then salt now has a preservative effect. It has a seasoning effect. Some of you... Can remember days where Maytag and Whirlpool were not in your house. It doesn't have to be that long ago where you remember what, what a person did to preserve meat. They would, they would rub salt on the meat because there was bacteria from the animal or the atmosphere that would be upon the substance of the meat. So you would put salt on that meat to draw out the moisture. So it is not an environment that's hospitable for bacteria. So there was a preservative effect that would have been familiar to the listeners of the Sermon on the Mount 2,000 years ago, and it's still called, as we are to be the salt of the earth, we're called to have a a preservative effect in our communities. You understand that. You understand that uh, we are tempted in our culture To say, even as Christians, you, you don't have to go looking far to hear someone say, the world is decaying all around. We need to hunker down. We need to gather together. We need to protect ourselves from the evils of the world. And Jesus says, well, he says the absolute opposite. He says that we're called to be In the world. Now, of course, we're not called to be of the world. We're not called to be a part of the decay and the corruption, but we're called to have this preservative effect in your life and in my life that ultimately points people to the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, where are you, salt of the earth? You are called to be salt of the earth, not only here at church. You're called to be salt of the earth in PTA meetings. You're called to be salt of the earth all around our society. You're called to be salt of the earth in your workplace, in your neighborhood. We're called to be salt of the earth in your 8th grade Spanish class. You're called to be salt of the earth when you're in the 5th grade. You're called to be salt of the earth in every aspect of your public witness where you rub shoulders with people that know Christ and don't know Christ. You're called to be salt of the earth. There's also a seasoning effect to salt. We know this specifically in our culture. There are very few cooks that won't have salt nearby. Salt to be able to be utilized to bring out the natural flavor of the food. The the role of salt isn't to overpower the food, but rather it is to draw out the natural flavor of the food. If you're eating grits which I'm going to tell you, if you have never had grits, you better have salt nearby to enjoy grits. It is just essential. Very few people would say, you know something? I just love grits. No, you love grits because you put salt on the grits. And you, at the end of having a bite, you say to the cook, these grits are wonderful. You don't say, this salt, where did you get it? This is amazing salt. I've never had salt like this ever before. Salt draws out the natural flavor of food. It's it's never intended to be something that says, look at me. Praise me. You put salt on green beans. You eat the green beans. You put down your fork and you say, these green beans are amazing. You have corn on the cob, you put salt on it, you eat the corn on the cob, you say to the cook, this corn on the cob is amazing. You don't say, this salt is amazing. Salt doesn't draw attention to itself. Salt is there to season what it is in proximity to. So verse 16 of Matthew chapter 5 very clearly says, you are the light of the world. Let them see your good deeds and glorify you. No. Have a receiving line for you? No. Say, look how great he is as being salt. He's, he's the saltiest person I've ever met. No, that, that can mean something else right there, of course. <laughs> but the purpose of being salt of the earth is to be the seasoning influence in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your school. That brings out the best. This is what we're called to be in our workplace. We're not first and foremost called to be Christians who go into our workplace and say, What can I get out of this for myself? How can I build my brand and build my image for my good? How can this be a stepping stone to the next and better thing that I have? No. You're the salt of the earth. You're called to have an effect on your coworkers on your friends and your family members and your neighbors that when you're not there you are missed you're missed not just because you're reliable you're missed because you bring something out people might say you know he or she is the glue of the office he or she is the stability of the neighborhood they've moved and we miss them There is a seasoning effect along with a preservative effect that is called upon your life and my life as Christians. This is the purpose of a contagious Christian. And all of us are in this room because someone has had a preservative effect upon our lives and someone has had a seasoning effect upon our lives. I mean, just look back over your life and think to yourself, why are you a Christian? Well, of course, the Holy Spirit drew you from darkness to light. From blindness to sight, of course you heard the gospel, but the John the Baptist in your life, the people that pointed you to the veracity of the gospel message, maybe even introduced you to the gospel message, were people through their ordinary deeds, their ordinary going about their life, they showed you that there was something different about them, and oftentimes they had a preservative effect upon you and they had a seasoning effect upon you. I was in the second grade, and a reporter called my mother and said, we are doing a profile for the local newspaper in the Jackson Metro area, Jackson, Mississippi, called the Clearing Ledger. They said, we're asking second graders all across the Jackson Metro area who their heroes are. Well, who would be a second grader's hero? Well, Jose Cansego would be a hero, right? I mean, the Oakland A's, Bash Brother, baseball player. Surely that's what I said, but I didn't say that. Surely Michael Jordan would be a second grader's hero. Michael Jordan, Chicago Bulls, greatest basketball player ever to play. Surely I would say Michael Jordan, but I didn't say that. Surely some actor that I had seen that I wanted to be like and and to to have muscles like, but I didn't say that. You know who I said in the second grade without even thinking about it? I said Miss Staton. Do you know who Miss Staten was? She was my second grade elementary school teacher. I didn't know this, but the reason that I said that to about her was because she was salt of the earth to me. You see, there there was some difficulty going on at home and there was a sense of instability. And when I came into her classroom, you know what? I knew that I was valued. I knew that I was loved. I knew that I was seen as me in that room. She was being the salt of the earth. She had a preservative effect. She had a seasoning effect. When I grew up, or older, not up, grew older, as a teenager, I can look back and and think to myself, who are the people that were very formative in my life? And you know who's not on that list? A a David Eldridge is not on that list. A, A pastor is not on that list. Pastors are important. Not on my list, though. You know who's not on that list? A Sunday school teacher is not on the list. Sunday school teachers are immensely important. You know who's not on that list? Uh, uh, Really, no one's on that list, but you know who's at the top of that list? Terry Dent, Judy Reynolds, and Greg Seagull. An 8th grade football coach, an 11th grade English teacher, and a 10th grade chemistry teacher. Not one of them took me into their office and said, here is a Bible. I am going to disciple you. What they were to me was they were the salt of the earth in a public school environment. And I saw in them the hope of the gospel. I saw in them men and women who loved the Lord and loved their students and love their profession and love their subjects. And they made a difference in my life. And you are called to be the salt of the earth to a coworker at your firm. You are called to be the salt of the earth to a boss in your workplace. You are called to be a, a salt of the earth in your public school environment, Christian school environment, in your homeschool co-op. You are called to be the salt of the earth in your neighborhood, in your home. This is the purpose of a contagious Christian. Not only do you see the purpose of a contagious Christian in this passage, you see the purity of a contagious Christian in this passage. Notice that it says, you are the salt of the earth. It's this pithy statement that starts Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. But notice the second half of this passage continues on and expands upon it with a warning. If salt has lost its taste, how shall the saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything Except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Scholars have searched, and there was a little bit of of confusion about, is there an ancient Near Eastern salt that could be tepid in its taste? Could it lose its saltiness? Well, salt then was not bought. You couldn't buy a case of salt from Costco or Sam's. I mean, you would get salt from salt marshes. You would get salt from the Dead Sea. And so archaeological digs have salt that is impure. And how is that salt impure? Because of the soil that is mixed in with the salt. Salt loses its flavor when impurities are added to the salt. And so it is in your life, so it is in my life, that God has a plan He has a marketing plan to spread the good news of the gospel in your school, in your workplace, in your neighborhood. And the way that he does that is not by renting out messages in the sky. Not by his audible voice drawing people most often, but rather it is the ordinary witness of your life and in my life. So that's just going about our life, being faithful to what God has called us to And people see love and they see joy and they see hope and they see peace and they see kindness and they see goodness. They see gentleness and self-control and faithfulness. And someone says, what is different about this person? But I tell you, what will make that salty taste tepid is impurity in your life and impurity in my life. A few years back, we... Had a group of people that went after a Sunday evening church service. We went to a restaurant. The restaurant was half filled. We had a big adult table. We had a couple of kid tables. Waiters love that they, they love when all the kids sit at a table everyone says how i can 't wait to wait on this table right here no i mean it's a, <laughs> i mean it 's just a disaster waiting to happen, but we as responsible parents said. Sit over there. That's what we said. So later on in the evening, I heard some giggling. I heard some laughing. It's not surprising that I went over there and some of the kids, they didn't have the last name of Eldridge, I'm sure, but uh, they had unscrewed the bottom of the salt containers. And with great ingenuity, they poured a little bit of water into the salt containers and they put a little bit of Splenda in there just so when you turned over the salt... It was clumped up and nothing would come out. So what did we do? I said, boys and girls, be real quiet. We're going to sneak out of here before anybody sees. No, I did, I, I, I didn't, obviously I did not say that. So what do you do in a situation like that? Well, you have to own that. And I had to say to all of them, well, guess what? We're going, to, we're going to fix this, and the way we're going to fix this is we've got to pour out all of these salt containers that have the impurities, because if you mix salt with sugar, if you mix salt with water, it makes it impure, and it loses its flavor. What is mixed in the witness of your life? What impurity is ultimately Holding you back from being poured out in your workplace. What is compromising your witness? Brennan Manning, an author, speaker, who is now in heaven, said many years ago that the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips. Walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds un. And why would an unbeliever think that Christianity makes any real difference in our life if Christ is not making a real difference in our life? Don't don't be misled here. Satan has a strategy. And he spends a whole lot of time with a counter-marketing program to God's marketing program to spread the good news of the gospel across our communities. And his counter-marketing program is to pollute the influence of the church, to pollute the influence of the vessels, so when they're turned over, nothing comes out. When they're turned over, there's impurity there. And so we are called as believers we're not called to be perfect. You can't be perfect. I can't be perfect. This is the whole nature of the gospel. We are sinners who are in need of the great Savior. And this side of heaven, you are still going to be a sinner. With impurity upon your life. But a part of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is this, that we pursue holiness, we pursue purity, and we come to him. And this is the promise of the gospel. This is the promise of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. If you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. There are some of you in this room, all of us at times in our lives, our witness is silenced because of the impurity that we have not confessed. Our witnesses mute because of the impurity that we have not confessed. What is in your life that is ultimately the sugar, the water that is blending with the purity that God desires to have in you, and today you could give it to the Lord in confession, and you would receive his cleansing work in your life. This is the purpose of a contagious Christian. this is the purity of a contagious Christian. And finally, I want you to see the proximity of a contagious Christian. In this passage here, we understand that the the image that is utilized is only effective when it is in proximity to what's being seasoned. Salt works only if it's poured out and it touches the object. Salt has no power as long as it's in the container and not on your vegetable. Salt has no seasoning effect until it is poured out of the container and upon those chips at a Mexican restaurant. Unless salt gets poured out of the shaker, it remains a mere table ornament. For me and for you, this is true. I had a friend of mine that worked at a popular kind of chain restaurant. His role at the end of every evening as they were closing up the restaurant was to take all of the pepper and salt shakers, take them to the back. He was to, to look at any kind of impurities, but he's ultimately to refill those containers. He was given the responsibility every night to put them back on the table so the next crew that came in that morning did not have to do that. And so you can imagine one night he's trying to get out of there real quickly. He takes them back. He looks at the impurities. He refills them, but he doesn't put them back out. So all the next crew asked by the patrons of the restaurant, where is the salt? Where is the pepper? Ultimately, this can be the question that our communities ask of Christians, that this can be the question that our loved ones ask of Christians, where's the salt? Never in human history maybe have we had more of the temptation to be refilled as Christians and never deployed to season. It's an apt description. Not of the entirety of the church, but segments of the Christian church. And every church faces this temptation because every Christian in this room, this pastor first and foremost, faces this temptation. We are called to be refilled. We are called to be in intimacy with him. We can do that in many ways through his word, through prayer, through conferences, through books, through podcasts, through sermons, through scripture, through singing. But don't be misled, don't be deceived. There are those who feel they're so busy being refilled that they never get around to being poured out. You're the salt of the earth. Our calling is not to be in the back, rubbing shoulders with other salt shakers saying, look how dangerous it is out there in the earth. Let's stay back here. No, our calling is to be deployed for such a time as this in the neighborhoods that God has sovereignly given us to live in, in the workplaces that God has sovereignly entrusted that we would have influence in. In your workplace, in your home, in your family, you are the salt of the earth and desperately are those who need the seasoning and preserving effect of your witness. Why am I here today? It's a big question. But ultimately, if you were to back up that question and to ask the question, why is David Eldridge a believer in the finished work of the gospel of Jesus Christ? The Holy Spirit captured me in my blindness and I was able to see. I heard the power of the gospel message and it drew me from being lost to being found. But do you know the means by which that occurred? Do you know how I was influenced by the God? It wasn't through RAs and GAs, those are good. It wasn't through vacation Bible school. It wasn't for anything like 24 hours for him. There was nothing in a church context, but it was in a junior high where I saw the witness of a football coach and I saw that there was a change in fellow eighth graders who said, David, where do you go to church? Well, nowhere. Well, how about you go with us? Ordinary witness of your life, day in and day out, God uses mightily. For his glory. You're not called to save anybody. You're not called to seal the deal. You're not called to convince anybody. You're not the Holy Spirit, but you are the salt of the earth. So, tomorrow, the week ahead, what great privilege we have to be poured out in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces to be that seasoning, preserving effect as we ask him to purify us for the sake of those who do not know him. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for the great privilege that every one of us in this room that knows you as Savior and Lord We are here because of people who were poured out upon our lives. Moms and dads, grandparents, teachers, coaches, Sunday school teachers, pastors, neighbors, who are the salt of the earth, who through their kindness and their love, their attention we saw something different. They introduced us to the great news that while we are yet still sinners, you died for us. And that while in our sin, you would love us so much that you didn't desire for us to perish, but to have everlasting life. We heard that message through ordinary, ordinary believers who faithfully followed you the salt of the earth. So we thank you for them. Some of which are in this room sitting next to us. Some of which are in heaven that we will hug and say thank you to in the days to come. But today you have entrusted us with this great privilege. So we pray for our family members who do not know you. We pray for our neighbors who do not know you. We pray for our co-workers who do not know you. That tomorrow we will have the privilege to be the salt of the earth. We confess our impurities to you today, and we ask that you would empower us to be your witnesses through our deeds, our actions, our words, so that people will see you in our witness. It's in your name we pray. Amen.